Welcome to the Arena Church Podcast. We hope you enjoy the message. Hi everyone, it's great to be with you today. And uh, if you're in one of our live locations, uh, give you a warm welcome. And if you're watching this online, uh, I'd again uh, encourage you to just lean into the message uh, of today. Uh, I hope you're all doing well and uh, life is treating you well. Uh, We've made a very good start to the year and we're thanking God for all that he is doing amongst us. I I wanted to share this message across the locations and it goes back really to around November, uh, early November of 2022 and I was just in prayer and I felt the Lord impress on my heart to just share a message with regards to this big subject of forgiveness. It was then confirmed through a conversation that I had with our teaching pastor, Phil Pye, and he just made a statement that really just triggered in me again that this is the course of action that we needed to to take. So over the last month, I've been painfully working through this message on forgiveness. Please remain with me for the uh, duration of this, of this message because I'm hoping that it's going to help uh, many people. It may even bring a release and some freedom to some people today. But over the past month, I've read lots of material. I've, I've looked at some books. I've uh, watched some uh, programs. I've listened to many podcasts. Uh, I've searched out some uh, references and quotes all around this subject of forgiveness. And what's happened is that the scalpel of God's word has actually cut quite deep in me. As I found myself studying and preparing, it brought me to a place of reflection. It brought me into prayer. It brought me into thinking. It actually brought me into weeping. And it's ultimately led me over this time once again to a place of forgiving. One of the greatest challenges, I believe, in every century, and history tells us this, without exception, is the strong emotions and choices of not forgiving. It's created wars, it's created fights, there have been relationship, friendship breaks down, and even has led people to premature death. You see, unforgiveness leads us. Unforgiveness leads us ultimately to bitterness, and bitterness leads us into hatred. We can all recollect, I'm sure, a time when we've been offended, we've been hurt. For others, it's much deeper when it's been a place of, and a time of abuse, Many of us can go back to a time when we feel like we've been discarded or even betrayed. And I honestly think this thought of unforgiveness has to be one of the three common sins in the earth today. The fact remains is even in our faith community of Arena Church and certainly in our locations there have been marriages that have been parted and devastated, homes have been decimated, families irreconcilable. Why? Well, mainly down to this thought of unforgiveness. And if we 
let it grow, this unforgiveness, it often leads to even greater separation and we even have a longer time of estrangement from the people that we should be in relationship with. I've even come across people who've literally been inflicted physically, not just emotionally and and not just mentally, but physically because of the roots of unforgiveness and bitterness. I describe it this way. It's like a heavy rucksack that is on your back forever. Many, we have many young families in our church and you, you carry your children around and they can be quite heavy the older they get. I remember it fondly. I'm still now in that journey with now a grandson. But, you know, you have to be careful that you carrying it the right, the, the right way and, or otherwise you, you're having to go and see physiotherapists and chiropractors and I was even talking about that today but the thought is we, we are carrying a heavy weight on our back, not a grandchild, not a child, that we weren't meant to carry and that is what unforgiveness is like. It's also like, I don't know whether you can remember being at school and I wasn't the greatest in science and um, but I remember, remember doing experiments in the, uh, the, the, the Petri dish. Remember where you'd have a, a germ, a bacteria, and it would spawn. And over time, you would see it grow and grow and grow. And what happened is that little, that little germ, that little infection, that little bacteria, then began to grow and grow, and it affected everything around it. Let me just say again, this is like unforgiveness. It starts very small, but... If left unchecked, it grows and grows and grows till it affects everything around us. Not just ourselves, not just our being, but also relationships and friendships. And even how we see and view the world. Now you may say, Christian, you don't know my circumstances. And you would be right in saying that. I'm not glibly um, sharing this message as you know, three steps to getting free. Please, there are some steps that I want to help you in, but I recognize it's a process, it's a journey to finding forgiveness towards others. But this is what I do want to address, is that I hear many times that we hear people say, well, it's my right to be offended. I'm entitled to live in unforgiveness. We know the quote, and I've just changed it a little bit. You see, this bitterness, unforgiveness, these rights and entitlements that we all say we're uh, quite right in having, they're like drinking poison and waiting for the other person to die. Jesus is our example. I love one of the songs that we sing, one of the hymns, choruses that we sing in our church, Jesus, what a beautiful, wonderful, powerful name it is. And Jesus is our example. We love Jesus in Arena Church. Jesus has made such a difference in my life. He's changed my life and he's forever changing my life. And Jesus often spoke about forgiveness more than we realize. And he did that because he understood the context of relationships and friendships and how things can break down and how the enemy comes and drives wedges in all of our hearts. And on many occasions, he gave a command. It wasn't a suggestion. 
And the command was to forgive those who have sinned against him and against his disciples. Even more compelling is the way that Jesus didn't just say that, but he actually practiced it. He forgave those who sinned against him directly. For Jesus, be clear, Jesus himself, this was not automatic. This was an intentional forgiveness, a conscious choice. It's interesting in Luke in chapter 23 and verse 34, after the Roman soldiers had scourged him and nailed him to the cross, Jesus prayed, Father, forgive them. And after the resurrection of Jesus, I believe Jesus had every right to be furious with his disciples. He poured into them over a three and a half year journey. He'd walked with them, he'd talked with them, he'd ate with them, he'd poured his life out for them. And yet Peter denied him and the others deserted him. Yet when he entered the upper room, after being risen from the grave, you would say, well, they deserved a severe reprimand or, you know, a telling off. But instead, Jesus, with divine compassion, with love and forgiveness, said not once but three times to these group who have run away from Jesus, he said this, peace be with you. This was a statement of forgiveness and love towards them. So this is our example. What a saviour, full of love and forgiveness. And we as the church those who are now followers of Jesus Christ, we as the church have been asked to continue this healing ministry into our world and into our relationships and into our locations and into the earth. Matthew 6 verse 14, Jesus taught, if you forgive others their transgressions, their sins, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. And Peter the loud mouth. Peter, the one who was always getting himself in trouble, he asked Jesus, how often was it necessary to forgive? And Jesus replied, 70 times seven. Now this was not a number to be taken literally. This was a symbolic number. This was, Jesus uses an exaggeration to say, this is the never ending way of forgiveness. Jesus liked to use parables to illustrate the various aspects of forgiveness. How about the the parable of the unforgiving servant? You'll just have to read it in your own time. Matthew 18, verse 23 to 35. How about Luke's gospel, when Jesus, I believe, tells one of the greatest examples of a forgiveness parable and story, when he highlights in Luke 15, verses 11 through to 32, the parable of the prodigal son. Remember it? How this son... The father so loved this son and gave him everything and gave him a kingdom and earth to live in, a safe house and food and just the pleasures of life. And, but this son wasn't satisfied with it and asked for his inheritance early. And the father was deeply hurt, but let him go. And this son went and squandered everything on wild living, partying, you know, immorality, everything you could think of. And yet we see the beautiful picture, read it for yourself, of when this son came to his senses, he thought, well, if if only I could just be my my master's slave, I'd be living better than what I'm presently living. And as he walked back 
We see the picture of the father waiting day after day, waiting for the son return. And when he saw his son in the distance, he ran towards him. He didn't reprimand him. He didn't shake him. He didn't quarantine him. He embraced him. And he forgave him. The Gospels in the New Testament, in my readings, are so rich with instruction and encouragement. And this is applicable to every child, every young person, and every adult, because this thought of unforgiveness and forgiveness is something that we all need to practice in our lives. And it affects every one of us. And I believe this is why the Bible speaks so much into it. I I did a little bit of a study and uh, commentators have said, many repeatedly have said this, there's 122 references to this thought of forgiveness. Now, you may be there today and say, that's all great, but does that mean it's easy? Let, Let me be clear, it's not easy. Forgiveness and practicing it is not easy. It's much easier for me to talk about it. It's much more difficult for me to live it and apply it to my own heart. I read from Desmond Tutu, the Archbishop of South Africa, who I understand uh, passed uh, away. Uh, He navigated all kinds of evils in that nation. And this is what he said. Forgiveness is not weak. It takes courage to face and overcome powerful emotions. To forgive is to set a prisoner free and to discover that prisoner was you. Being forgiven and forgiving is a big deal. And the likelihood is that we've all been on the receiving end of someone forgiving us when we've done something wrong. And we love that truth. But it's the forgiving others that so many struggle with. Now, to be clear, and before you all tune out of your locations, and as before you all switch off the computer or the TV set, I want to help you. I, I want you to just get this. I've been praying over this, that the Lord would deliver something way beyond what I could deliver. Forgiveness, to be clear, does not change the past, but it does have the potential to enlarge the future. What I'm saying is you cannot change the past of what has happened to you. It's very real to you. People say forgive and forget. It's very difficult to do that. But if we're not careful, we can live in that offence and that hurt and that bitterness and that hatred And that will change the course of your future. Let me say it again. Forgiveness does not change the past. But it does have the potential to enlarge the future. If you will relinquish it, if you will deal with it in Christ, then God can walk you into your purpose and your destiny. I'm going to be bold and say that if you are living with roots and wedges of a bitterness and hatred and unforgiveness it's impossible for you to live out your fullest potential and your full destiny in Jesus Christ again I was reading the life of Joseph his brothers hated him 
He had every reason to hate Potiphar. He had every reason to hate Potiphar's wife, if you know the story. He had every reason to mumble and grumble with unforgiveness and bitterness in the prison. Excuse me. But the Bible records nothing of it. This young man who was developing through his journey carried a sweet spirit. He clearly let go of issues because he wasn't unaffected by it. He would have been deeply hurt by it, the accusations. But he let it go and trusted God and God brought him into a beautiful destiny. His God-ordained purpose and destiny. And friends, that is what I desire for every one of you. This is what I desire for our church. There are many people who have criticised our church, who have slated our church, who have derided our church. And I will be bold, who possibly even hate what we do. Hate me, hate what we do. And yet, we need to continue to release forgiveness. We continue to release uh, love towards, we continue to speak well, because that will enable us to walk into our destiny as a church. In a great book that I would encourage you, if you've never read it, it's an old book now, it's called Simplify. And the writer of that book makes a great point when considering how we respond to wrongs. Quickly, I would just want to break it down and use the author's outline because he breaks this down into three categories. First of all, and please take notes because this will help you. He breaks this sort of responding to wrongs and unforgiveness and things that are done to us in three ways. Category one, these are lesser offences. These are the day-to-day stuff. This is equivalent to A husband and wife having a petty argument. You can turn to him at the side, do it discreetly. Or you can turn to him, you may have had it this morning. (laughs) It usually happens on a a Sunday morning in in our house anyway. And um, petty arguments. Or kids in the playground. You you young people who are listening to me today. Have you had a fallout with your bestie? (laughs) Are are you now not speaking? Are you now not communicating? Have you unfollowed them? The, the, this, is, this is the stuff of the day-to-day. These are, these are lesser. Have you had a misunderstanding at work? You've, you, you slammed the door as you went out and it wasn't big. This is what category one is. Lesser offences. But we're encouraged in 1 Corinthians 13, the love chapter, that it says this. Jesus' followers are not easily angered. Oh my goodness. I wish he didn't say that, but it's true. And Colossians 3 Verse 13 to 14 says this, Be even-tempered, content with second place, quick to forgive an offence. Forgive as quickly and completely as the Master forgave you. We see the instruction here in this context. We don't easily get angered. We want to be quick to forgive And this is the instruction in this one, in the day-to-day stuff of life, the knocks, the bruises in our homes with relationships. Let's not make it more than it is. Let's not make a a, a mountain out of a molehill, as as we have this saying. Let's, Let's move on. Can I speak to the men? Men, stop being babies. Stop being babies. Just grow up. Want to say something else then? Stop being a baby and uh, deal with the day to day stuff. Oftentimes, before I quickly move to the second one, 
If we don't, this is where it starts. And by the way, churches have separated on whims and on little offences. Let's be, let's be, clear, be clear, in Arena Church, because that's who I'm called to pastor and I'm speaking into today, let's, let's not allow the little things to become big things. Let's not allow the little things to separate us. We can fight over error and truth, but let's not fight over those small little things. Let's, let's defer and prefer, because if we're not careful, not only relationships, marriages, but even churches can separate on the lesser offences. But what about category two? As we move into these categories, they become more and more severe and more and more painful. And category two are legitimate wounds. And by the way, these are very painful marks, blisters and scars. If you've ever been severely burnt, it takes a long time for the skin to heal itself. And these legitimate wounds are legitimate. But the same answer is like category one, forgiveness. But forgiveness, and this is where I'm not decrying it, is not always a simple process. But let me just take you through the notes that uh, Bill Heibel shares in this thought of this outline. He makes the point that, number one, we should acknowledge the wrong that has been done to us. Secondly, we grieve over what has been lost. And thirdly, we eventually let the other person off the hook. This is where we release forgiveness. This is a process that happens in a journey with God and with others over time. Let's not take it longer than it needs to be, but neither do we want to just give you three steps and boom, 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 wham, bam, and that's sorted. It doesn't work like this in category two. I want to encourage you to go and do today what the Bible tells us. It says, if a fellow believer hurts you, go and tell him, work it out between the two of you. And then it says, and if they won't listen, tell the church. And if he won't listen to the church, you'll have to start over from scratch. That's the Bible. We try and work it out. It also says in Romans 12, verse 8, and I've tried to live with this. Genuinely, I really have. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. I know I can't control other people's responses, but I can control mine. In category two, legitimate wounds, there's no quick fix. The truth is, forgiveness in God's time is the only door to healing. And I believe this can be done through the help of God and the help of others. And what about category three? Well, category three, category three is life-shattering experiences. And these are soul-threatening. We've got a few examples of this in the church. And I will never speak about them. Because they're other people's stories. This life-shattering experience 
is an injustice, say, unthinkable tragedy that has changed the landscape of your life forever. This could be a murder, this could be sexual abuse, this could be rape, this could be molestation, this could be a violent robbery, this could be a terrible marital breakdown. In category three, these are life-shattering experiences. But what is required? Because there is an answer. And simply put, radical, radical forgiveness. Over this month, I've been reading some stories of radical forgiveness. And because of time, I'm not going to go there. But stories of people who've lost sons and daughters to murderers. I was reading of of a pastor who lost his wife and child that hadn't been born yet through the recklessness of another driver. And over a period of years, this man reached out to this man who killed his wife. And uh, they are now friends And this man who was the perpetrator is now in faith and tells his story of just the forgiveness that he received from this this pastor. Luke chapter 23 verse 34, Jesus said, Father, forgive them for they do not know what they are doing. This was in the context of the Roman soldiers beating him And the Jews crying out for him to be crucified. Now sometimes people do know what they're doing. But there's also occasions when people really do not know what they are doing. And the answer is radical forgiveness. I remind you again of Jesus being asked the question, how many times should we forgive? And Jesus said, not seven, but 70 times seven. He used the thought of exaggeration because he knew that this was going to be a big deal for his disciples and this was going to be a big deal for us in 2023. Forgiveness is the road to freedom. Forgiveness. There are two songs that I really like singing in our church at the moment and I'm sure you can get them on a playlist and one is Uh, that we sing is as we run to the Father. And there's a line in there that says this, I've carried a burden for too long on my own. And then there's another song that we sing, which is a really upbeat song, and it gets us all rocking and rolling because we sing it with great gusto, and it's called I Thank God. And there's a line in there that says, Burden and bitterness... You better keep moving, for you are not welcome here. If you ever see me sing that, invariably I'll do that. Because I easily could be burdened, and I easily could be bitter. And you're not welcome here. You're not part of my life. And the encouragement from God to us today is for us to bring our burdens, our unforgiveness, our pain and our hurt, whatever category they're in, our shame, our bitterness, 
And what is the answer? Radical forgiveness, yes. But the answer is first and foremost laying it down at the foot of the cross. At the foot of the cross we pray. At the foot of the cross we weep. At the foot of the cross we ask the Lord to give us grace. Jesus, through his word, says, my grace is sufficient for you. At that place at the cross, we begin to pray for those who have hurt us. If they're alive, if they have died, then we release forgiveness. At the foot of the cross, we also find a friend, a trusted friend, a confidant, a group. That's why we encourage people into groups to find a place where they can talk this through. This will bring us to a place where we can eat more easily, over time, forgive family, friends. I also put in brackets leaders of churches because as I was preparing this, and that's where I went in November of last year, I was mindful there are people who have joined us from other churches and it may be that you have experienced certain things from your churches that were negative, from pastors and leaders. And whilst I can't say, please trust me, trust your campus pastor, all I can say is, please, will you release forgiveness into those previous contexts? Because otherwise you will carry that filter through into this context. The answer to forgiveness, the answer to finding forgiveness is a surrenderedness, a submission. I also want you to remember these things just as I finish. Please, just remain with me. Number one, firstly, personally receive the Lord's forgiveness. This is so important that if we want to express forgiveness, we first receive the Father's forgiveness. I want to tell you, He forgives you. We often say he loves you, he loves you, he loves you. I want to tell you today, the Father, the Son, the Spirit, they forgive you, they forgive you, they forgive you. You have been forgiven. If you have brought it at the foot of the cross, leave it there. You are forgiven. You are a child of God. You no longer need to carry the weight of sin on your shoulders. Secondly, you need to forgive yourself. This is connected with one. You, sometimes we, we, we know that we have the Father's forgiveness, but we still carry it around. We've wronged somebody really bad and we can carry it around. We've done something that's really terrible and we can't forgive ourselves. We have to come to the place. Even if they haven't forgiven us, we forgive ourselves and we release it. And lastly, we have to give forgiveness to others. I remind you again, Jesus said, Forgive as the Lord forgave you. This thought of forgiveness, this message of forgiveness, this anthem of forgiveness, whilst not easy, it is possible. And it's possible as we walk with Jesus as we allow him to fill us and renew us, as we let go to walk into our destiny, into our future, as we recognize it's hurting us more than it's probably hurting the other people. It will take time for many 
And for many, because it's been severe, you'll always remember. But you're not living in the past. You can actually walk into your future. And this forgiveness will lead you to a place of trust. Trust has to be earned. Don't give it away too cheaply. But there are some people I come across who will say this statement, I will never trust again. That is not a place where God wants you to be. For those who have been severely hurt in the area of relationships and marriage, could it be that as you find a place of forgiveness, it may be that you find a place of trust? Where over time you can begin to trust somebody again who is going to love you more deeply than you've previously experienced? Could it be that in business and in friendships we find a place of forgiveness and we find a place of trusting again? Could it be that in the context of church, as I've already alluded to, you've had bad experiences of previous context, they've misused you, even abused you. But as you find a place of forgiveness and as you walk in this journey of trust, you find a place, a church, a family, a community that you can trust again. I honestly believe this message is so important at the beginning of this year because we want to see people find freedom. We want to see people getting free. We want to see people getting past the poor experiences of life and of church and church leaderships and friendships. And we want people to find healing and wholeness where they can ultimately ultimately walk into a place of trust. Let me finish with this before I pray. Don't allow the negative experiences of your past, no matter how severe and how deep and how painful, to be the filter for your present. God has a future, a destiny, a purpose that he wants every one of us to walk in, families, whole families to walk in. But it often means that we have to leave behind. I pray that God will help you to leave behind whatever needs to be left behind so you can walk into your God-ordained future. I wonder if you join with me in a moment of prayer. You may have never received the forgiveness of the Father. Why don't you in this moment just begin to make this your prayer. Father, please forgive me for the things that I have done against you, for the things I have done against myself and others. Please wash me clean. Make me new. Give me a brand new start. Cleanse my mind, cleanse my heart. I want to live for you for the rest of my days. If you have prayed that prayer of forgiveness, I want to encourage you to just talk to your location pastor, to, if you're online, to contact our officers, to talk to another Christian who can help you on this journey. That is the beginning of a, a, a new life. It's the beginning prayer. It's the beginner's prayer of saying that you want to follow Jesus and Father I cut off everything and anything that would stop them from moving forward in you in Jesus name and just finally it's impossible in a one minute prayer 
to pray across everybody, but I know this has resonated in your heart. I know it's created some emotion. I know that it's brought some things up. And I haven't wanted to stir the pot up or stir the muck up. I just sense that the Lord just wants to help you wherever you are. If it's category one, forgive and move on quickly. But two and three, this is a journey. And I simply want to pray. Father, I pray today, oh, for the lovely people that we have of Arena Church, the lovely guests that we have come through, the people who watch us online, and we just simply pray, I simply pray, Jesus, you are so tender and so loving and so kind, and you have forgiven us of our wretchedness and our sin and all the things we've done wrong. I pray, Lord, that over this journey, as people just bring it to the foot of the cross, as people bring names and people, as people bring situations that have caused so much pain in their life, as they bring it to you afresh again. I pray, Lord, that people would find freedom. I pray that people would find healing. And Lord, that people would move forward into their purpose and destiny in Jesus Christ. And they would not allow the past negative experiences to be the filter for their present. That you would redeem their past. And Lord, that you would launch them into a wonderful future in Jesus Christ. And I ask this in Jesus' name. And everybody said together, Amen and Amen. Whilst I'm not with you live in your locations, as always, guys, I want to tell you, I hope you've felt the deep affection and love in this message for you in Arena Church. Because I do love you. I am praying for you. And I really do believe the best for you and your families. God bless you all.